Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A night out on the town in Philadelphia is filled with promise for a young couple. He had his arm around her. They seemed happy. But fear sets in when neither returns from their date. My God, I said something terrible happened to them. The couple's loved ones unite to find them. I need my daughter to come home. Marge needs her son to come home. But as desperation grows, the families find themselves at odds with one another. Emotions were high. A lot of speculation came in, a lot of finger pointing. Police must follow a trail of baffling clues. It's mostly like a, a train graveyard. They were going to pull a truck out of the river. And broken hearts. If anyone has any information about my dad, please. I just need him back. Please. Saturday, February 19th, 2005. The night is young on Philadelphia's South Street. It's a mere 26 degrees. But that doesn't stop the many revelers as they stream in and out of the bars, restaurants, and music venues that line the popular street. It was President's Weekend, and a lot of people were out and about and walking on South Street. Richard Patrone and his date, Danielle Imbo, are among the crowd. They've just arrived at Abilene, a South Street staple where local rock bands play. They're meeting friends of Richard's, his buddy Anthony and his wife Michelle. When Richard and Danielle came into the bar, he had his arm around her. They seemed happy. Richard is 35 years old. Danielle is 34, both young enough to be thrilled about new love, but experienced enough to be cautious. And for now, they're taking things slowly was going well. He really liked her. She could stay home with a pizza and a beer just like Richard and kick off their shoes and watch a movie. They really had a lot in common. Richard is a Philly boy through and through. He works with his mother and father at Viking Pastries, the bakery his family owns in Ardmore, a suburb of Philadelphia. Wedding cakes were his specialty. Just had a real knack for it. And uh, he worked hard. He moved on top of the bakery, 
so he could be closer and, and be right there for work. The bakery apartment is also where Richard spends a lot of time with his daughter, Angela, who he had with an ex-girlfriend. When Ange was three, she moved in with him. Julie worked a lot, Ange's mother, and he just decided, you know, well, I'll keep her during the week because you work. And then she would go on the weekends with Julie and her family. Oh, he was a wonderful parent. He wanted to be her father, be her role model, be there for her. Me and my dad were very close. He did my homework with me, took me to all my sports activities. We had a lot of fun in the bakery every day. He would let me make crazy concoctions, crazy cookies. I always felt like it made him special because not every single dad is really going to sit at home every weekend, raise his daughter by himself. Richard also shares his passion for music with his daughter. He loved Bruce Springsteen. So he said, you know, next time he comes, I want to take you to see him. He was so excited to take me to Bruce. We sang every song. We stayed till the very last one. He loved that. It made his whole life. <laughs> Angela recently moved in with her mother, but the 14-year-old and her dad are as close as ever. She just got a little older, and her mother was a little more settled and freer to, to, to be with her. He still saw her all the time. His main priorities in life were his mother and me. We were his everything. We talked every day, two, three times a day. I am your typical Italian mother that was in his business. <laughs> Richard's sweetheart, Danielle, also comes from a close-knit Italian family. Danielle and I were very tight, and we always got along, and we always did things together. My mother was well, and we'd go out Saturday nights, Sundays, they would come over for dinner, we'd watch football. It was a tradition, Sunday dinner. Same tradition we carried on when my father was alive. Danielle's father passed away from cancer in 1999, but she carried on another tradition of his over the years, singing. Danielle was in a band and she sang cover songs. She mirrored Janis Joplin's style, the raspiness of her voice and the power. She was tremendous, she was amazing. She played on weekends, Philadelphia, and New Jersey, local bars. You could tell when she was up on stage that she belonged there. It just worked. She was just very, very talented. Music was in Danielle's blood, but she gave it up shortly after she married Joe Imbo in 2001. He had asked her to stop. He said, at this point, we're married now. You need to quit the band. That was her family. That came first, and she stepped away. Then... Two years into their marriage, they became parents. Their son, Joe Jr., is Danielle's pride and joy. The day my nephew was born, we went to the hospital, and my sister's holding Joe. And she starts crying, and she looks at me, and she looks at my wife, and she said, now I know what it's like to truly be in love with someone. Just months after Joe Jr.'s birth, ongoing marital strife drove Danielle and Joe to separate. Now, a year later, in 2004, they're sharing custody of their son while going through a divorce. It was a very, very dark time for her. She had lost a ton of weight. She was chain smoking. She was crying every day, crying every night, on the phone with my wife, on the phone with me. Danielle works as a mortgage processor from her condo in the Philly suburb of Mount Laurel, New Jersey. The owners of the mortgage company set her up with an office in her home so she could work from home and still Watch my nephew. Something of a homebody these days, she spends much of her time with her son, 
curled up with a good crossword puzzle. One of her best friends, Christine Patrone, is also in the process of splitting with her husband. And the two often confide in each other. Danielle was a friend of Christine's from when they were 15. She was a close family friend. Growing up, my sister and Christine were always together. And my mother, Felice, became friends with Marge, Christine's mother, through the kids being friendly. One night in 2004, Christine and Danielle are hanging out when they're joined by Christine's older brother, Richard. Danielle and Richard have known each other for nearly 20 years, but this time, there's a spark. They were older. Uh, she was in the process of getting divorced, and uh, they started seeing each other. The romantic connection seems to come at just the right time for both. My mother said, I think it's a good thing. I think she needs to get out of the house. It's good companionship. I thought Danielle and Richard were a great couple. And a lot of his life, he devoted to Ange and didn't really go out that much. So I was really so happy that he met somebody that just really clicked with him. Things seemed to be going well for the couple. But just after the new year, about six months into their romance, Danielle asked Richard for some space, and he gave it. When it came closer to her divorce, she wanted to kind of back away from it a little bit, and Richard understood that. She said, I just want to be by myself and concentrate on being a good mother to Joe and get my life in order. That bone-chilling night in February is the first time the two have seen each other since their five-week break. Richard invited Danielle to join him to see a local band. She didn't need to find a sitter because her son was spending the night with his father. That night, they wanted to be together. The nightclub is packed, but they've managed to carve out a little space. My wife and Danielle sat at the bar, so me and Rich were standing behind them. Some bands started playing, we were watching the bands. A few drinks later, the band ends its set. We were going to see another band down the road, and Rich and Danielle were called at night because they had to get back because they had the kids to get in the morning. We hugged, said goodnight. I said, I love you, man. It was a good night. It's just about 11.45 p.m. as the couple heads toward the crowded exit. Richard tells his friend Anthony he got a nearby parking spot for his truck, a black 2001 Dodge Dakota, a lucky thing on this cold winter night. At 9 a.m. the following morning, Danielle's brother John arrives at her condo to do a little handiwork. Sunday morning, I'm going to fix the curtain rods that had fallen because her son pulled them down. And I go knock on the door, nobody answers. So I call her cell phone, and it goes right to voicemail, like it was turned off. John calls his mother, Felice. She fills him in on the previous night's events and thinks she knows where Danielle may be. My mother said she may have slept at Richard's house last night. They probably had too much to drink. I said, okay. He uses his spare key and enters the condo. The home was undisturbed. The bed was still made. There were no dirty dishes. Danielle was a heavy smoker at that point. The ashtray was clean. You could just tell no one had been home. So I hang the drapes up and I leave. 11 a.m. rolls around. Danielle has a hair appointment at the salon where Christine works. She doesn't show up. For her not to be at her appointment was just so unlike her. She was, she was always on time for everything. 
just as Danielle's family did earlier. Richard's sister Christine assumes she's with Richard and tries contacting them on their cell phones. The calls go straight to voicemail. Richard's mother, Marge, has already tried to reach him several times herself. I called my son that morning because I remember him telling me he was going to stay home and watch a big NASCAR race that day and have some friends over. So I kept calling, especially if he didn't have Angela, he would always answer his cell phone. So it was very, very unusual for me not to get him. Marge asks her sister to swing by his apartment to see if he's been home. She didn't think so because my son had a dog and the dog was barking and barking, so she didn't feel that maybe he was there at all. Marge also checks in with Richard's friend Anthony, who he was with at the club the night before. I said that I thought that they went back to Danielle's house. As the afternoon wears on, Danielle's mom, Felice, calls Richard's mother, looking for answers. She started to get worried. Please call me if you hear from him. Please, if he calls you, let me know. Of course, I would have. I've said, definitely, if you hear from her, you know, let me know. And soon, worry turns to fear when it becomes clear that Danielle is a no-show for her most important obligation. Her toddler son is about to come home to find his mother gone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The families of Danielle Imbo and Richard Patrone are desperate to reach them. So not like them to not check in, either one of them. And now, 
Danielle's son, Joe Jr., is due home at any moment after spending the night with his father. With no word from Danielle, her mother, Felice, is hysterical. I went to my sister's house, and when I got there, it's my mother. She's in a full-blown panic. At this point, Danielle hadn't been home, and Joe was scheduled to drop my nephew off around 5 o'clock. Right on time, Danielle's estranged husband, Joe Imbo, arrives with their 18-month-old son. He said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm here because Danielle's out with Christine. And she told me to be here for little Joe when you drop him off. Although John decides not to alert Joe yet, the fact is Danielle is still nowhere to be found. And her family is now convinced something is very wrong. She would never not be there. She just would never not be there for her son. I called the police and I reported Danielle as a missing person. 10 miles away in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, the Patron family is equally distressed about Richard. As a mother, my gut, I said something terrible happened to them. They called the police in Philadelphia, where the couple was last seen. But before a police investigation begins, the family takes matters into its own hands. They call local hospitals to see if the couple has been admitted. And around 7 p.m., Danielle's brother, John, heads to the Patron's house. And I said to Mr. Patron, what do we do? And he said, let's just go. Let's, let's just go find the kids. So we hopped in my truck and we drove to Philly. Their first stop is Abilene, the club where Danielle and Richard were last seen. No one there knows anything. So they head to each of the four Philadelphia police precincts in search of answers. And when you walk into the first police station, you have all this hope. Hello, my name's John Otobre. My sister and her friend Richard never came home last night. Can you let me know if they're here? No, nope, never heard. And that deflates you a little bit. And with each trip to the next police station, your hope starts to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And now you know that something's wrong and now you know they're not okay. No matter what the circumstances, they're physically not okay. The men drive around, combing the South Street area. They're especially keeping an eye out for Richard's black 2001 Dodge Dakota pickup truck. We drove up and down every street, every street, looking for this truck. There's a lot of distance to cover between South Street and Danielle's place. No one knows exactly where Richard parked, and there are four bridges that cross the Delaware River from Philadelphia to Danielle's New Jersey home. John and Richard's father think it's most likely the couple took either the Ben Franklin or Walt Whitman Bridge. But with so many options, it's impossible to know their exact route on the 25-mile ride. So we start driving the bridges. We take every bridge that we know to and from Philadelphia into New Jersey. We didn't speak much. We would communicate, take a right, take a left. But at no point did either one of us say to each other, you know, hey, we're going to find them. I think we both kind of knew that this was bad. After 13 hours, the men call it a night. There was nothing. Yeah, there's I mean, nothing at all. It's 7 a.m. Monday morning by the time they return to the Patron's house. It's packed with Richard's friends and family. 
They just wanted to do something. They wanted to help. From that point on, we just started coordinating searches. We had came and posted flyers up all around South Street at all the different bars, all along here, all over the area. Meanwhile, law enforcement in Philly and New Jersey are moving on the case. They've issued an APB on Richard's truck, and the Philadelphia police taps the FBI for assistance with the phone records. Police also check into the couple's financial records in an effort to trace their whereabouts. Rich was more of a cash guy, but Danielle used credit cards. And there was just no activity either on the phones, the bank accounts, or the credit cards. Among the different agencies, more than 10 officers are on the case, all pounding the pavement for leads. They never drummed up any witnesses outside of Abilene's that night that remembered seeing the couple or a commotion that happens out on South Street. There are also few security cameras in the popular tourist area. And the footage that does exist doesn't show the couple. Investigators also check bridges and tolls between Philadelphia and New Jersey. But there are no cameras in the direction the couple would have headed. You have tolls coming into Pennsylvania. You don't have tolls going out. You have cameras on the inbound side at that time, not on the outbound side. So there was just not a lot of luck with, with cameras. They also question family and friends. Anthony Valentino, the last person known to see Danielle and Richard, is brought in for questioning just days after his childhood friend vanished. So they actually took me into the interrogation room, and I had two officers question me, ask me all about that night. You know, were they getting along? Was there a confrontation in the bar? Did Richard Danielle know anybody else? Was there anybody suspicious that was paying extra close attention? to Richard Danielle, what did you talk about? Did Rich have any concerns? Did Danielle have any concerns? It's just one of many times Anthony meets with investigators. Anthony was talked to a couple of times because you may not remember certain things, and as time goes on, you remember. Anthony was checked out as well, of course, what his background, who he dealt with. Maybe, you know, he was the target. Police also give him a lie detector test. That's a, a typical step. That wouldn't be unusual to make sure that there wasn't something that Anthony was hiding to protect his friend. During the polygraph, they asked if I had anything to do with the disappearance or if I knew anything that had to do with the disappearance, was rich into any kind of stuff that would make him be abducted or disappear, in which I all answered no to everything. Nothing unusual came from the interview of, of Anthony. Investigators don't believe Anthony is connected to the disappearance. Two weeks have passed since Danielle and Richard were last seen. There are still no leads on the missing couple or Richard's truck. Danielle's brother John wants to get a bird's eye view of the search area. Through family connections, a neighboring police department agrees to lend a hand. Got a phone call from one of them and said, hey, I got the helicopter. I can get you up in here for a couple hours. And we went up. And we searched pretty much the whole Delaware River between the bridges, up and down, looking for something, looking for a truck, looking for anything. And you think you're seeing this black truck everywhere you look. And we made notes and off maps and where we thought we found things or saw things. And then we went back by foot or by car to investigate. 
we came up short. There was nothing. As the days go by, the case is splashed across the headlines in the local newspapers and TV. Honest people do not just vanish off the face of this earth, nor do very large black Dodge pickup trucks. I need my daughter to come home. Marge needs her son to come home. And we're just begging for anyone, for any information, please. We just find it inconceivable that nobody saw anything. The families are united in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We're in contact with the patrons every day. We speak every day for support for each other. With no leads and dwindling hopes, investigators decide to hunt for clues deep inside Philly's underworld of organized crime. Two weeks after they vanished, there's still no sign of Danielle Imbo and Richard Patron. And detectives are equally stumped when it comes to locating Richard's truck. Police have already put out an APB on the missing vehicle. And as the weeks pass without a trace of the couple, investigators believe finding the Dodge Dakota is key. How'd you get rid of the truck? Detectives think it's possible Danielle and Richard were victims of a stolen car ring. An ongoing problem in the Philadelphia area. Nearly 13,000 cars were stolen there just the year before. Philly's got a pretty active chop shop uh, underground where a truck or a vehicle is brought to some garage and it's stripped for parts and sold on the black market. Philly PD's auto squad and FBI stolen car experts both attempt to track down the 3,000 pound truck. We've got an impressive informant base, as does Philly PD. So of course, one of the first things was to reach out to their informants and reach out to their, to the auto squad and say, hey, what are you hearing and what do you know? For now, no one is talking. But with 20 years of law enforcement under his belt, Special Agent Rosselli is confident someone out there knows something. This was not a one-person job. Once you have the truck and the people in your possession, you need somebody to drive the truck to a place that has the ability to take a vehicle apart. This is a serious matter. Investigators also consider the possibility that Danielle and Richard were in an accident. If they ran off the road, they could perhaps be somewhere in the bottom of the 14,000-square-mile Delaware River, which separates Pennsylvania and New Jersey. The Patron family gets a tip about an area on the Philadelphia waterfront where the gate is broken. It appears to have been run over by a vehicle. We thought that maybe they took a wrong turn, the car went off in the water. Marine divers are deployed to search the area. The divers were in the cold waters for hours looking. Surprisingly, there were cars down there, but none of them were Richards. After three weeks, with detectives from five agencies across two states engaged in the search, the FBI is appointed to coordinate their efforts, with Special Agent Rosselli at the helm. But with no clear leads to follow, accusations from all sides begin to fly. Emotions were high. Was it Danielle's fault? 
Was it Richard's fault because of something he was involved in? So a lot of speculation came in, a lot of finger pointing. That all had to be vetted. Although Danielle and Richard's families have had a friendly relationship for nearly 20 years, Danielle's brother John doesn't know Richard very well and wonders if there's something in the young baker's past that could explain what happened to the couple. When Danielle and Richard disappeared, the only thing I knew for certain was that my sister was a victim. I didn't know Richard. I didn't know his background. But I did want to know who my sister was with that night. So I started asking questions. You know, who is this guy? Did he owe any money to anybody? Was he jammed up gambling? Did he do drugs? Who were his friends? As John continues to probe, Richard's parents are quick to defend their son and his reputation. I know my son's past. Nobody was after my son. Nobody was looking for Richard. He didn't do drugs. He didn't have gambling debts. So there was nothing like that in his past. My son was innocent in this. After interviewing numerous family and friends and conducting extensive background checks, including phone and financial records on the couple and those closest to them, investigators confirm there was nothing suspicious in Richard or Danielle's conduct that would make either a target. Both folks were good, hardworking folks, and uh, there's nothing at this point that I have found to indicate they deserve this or had this coming to them. But for the Patrons, the damage has been done. They took offense to that, and I don't blame them, because in their eyes, it can't be their son. They know their son's a victim. Richard's family, in turn, points its finger at Danielle's past, specifically to her rocky relationship with her estranged husband, Joe Imbo. It turns out Imbo had been in contact with Richard while he was dating Danielle. Special Agent Rosselli has Richard's phone records and verifies calls between the men. We know of several, you know, communications. As part of routine police work, investigators have already questioned Joe on numerous occasions. In any situation where the mother or the wife is missing, it's the first place you look, of course, is boyfriend or, or husband. So, of course, we looked at Joe Wimbo, checking Joe's background, seeing if there's any other motives other than the obvious or when people split up. They also check his alibi. On the night Danielle and Richard disappeared, Joe said he was at a family function 50 miles away. It's on the Jersey side. They followed up with, with Joe Imbo, his associates, and, and did everything they could to corroborate his alibi, his story. Joe's looked at, you know, pretty heavily. He is not declared a suspect. But the finger-pointing and accusations have now driven a wedge between the two families who had been friendly for decades. The divide is so deep that despite their shared interest in finding their loved ones, they stop working together to solve the painful mystery. We didn't so much conduct searches anymore together as two families. Uh, my husband respectfully wrote John and Felice a letter to tell them not to speak of my son again. By late March 2005, the case is at a standstill. But then, 
Danielle's family gets a call that raises their hopes for the first time in weeks. I called the police department, and I spoke to one of the detectives, and I said, this is the call I got, and I'm going. John Otobre has just received a tip about his missing sister, Danielle Imbo. No one has seen her or her date, Richard Patron, since they left a bar in South Philly four weeks earlier. Someone had called my mother-in-law, told her that Danielle was in a boxcar under the Walt Whitman Bridge, and she was dying, and we needed to get there or we'd never see her again. Without hesitation, John rushes out the door. He calls the police on the way. I spoke to one of the detectives and I said, look, I know this is crazy, but this is the call I got and I'm going. And the detective explained, you can't go. And I said, well, I'm on my way. So you're either with me or you're not, but I'm going. The tracks are just 10 miles from Danielle's home, tucked away under a bridge. So here I am, midnight, scaling this fence with barbed wire, with a flashlight, looking through boxcars. It was mostly like a, a train graveyard. I said to myself, well, I guess this is a place where you would dump a body. As John approaches a closed boxcar door, fear sets in. I knew from early on when I did find her, she wouldn't be alive. But I just, I thought of her, my mother, and I thought of my father, and I said, what would my father do? And it, I just pushed forward. He opens the door, expecting the worst. There was nothing. One after another, nothing, nothing, nothing. It's not long before police show up. And they escorted me out and I was driven back to the Mount Laurel Police Station by a police officer, and I sat down in the interrogating room, and the detective came in and explained to me what I did was crazy, and I put myself in danger, and I knew in my heart it was foolish. When someone tells you your loved one's in trouble and where they are, you go. And searching in a couple boxcars puts my mother's mind at ease. If it helps me fill that emptiness in here that I have every day, I'm going. That emptiness is a feeling the Patrons also know well. I really felt like I wasn't going to make it. I really did. It's especially rough on Richard's daughter, Angela. If anyone has any information about my dad, please. I just need him back. Please. Please. Just 14 years old at the time, her father's absence turns her life upside down. My life changed a lot. My dad was a big part of my life. He was one person that I always knew. I could call him for anything, talk to him about anything, and he would always be there. It was hard. You don't really know how to handle those emotions. I wouldn't wish it on any kid in the world. As spring rolls around and the snow melts, the families, no longer working together, expand their search to include the Pine Barrens, a wooded area not far from Danielle's home. 
They don't know if Richard and Danielle ever made it to New Jersey, but they don't want to leave any possibility unexplored. We had 40, 50 volunteers on any given Saturday or Sunday, and we would come out with maps, and we'd spread out along this area, and we would just walk and, and look. We were looking for the truck, or maybe an article of their clothing, or them. We never found anything. By the six-month anniversary of Danielle and Richard's disappearance, friends and family are no closer to having answers. They hold a vigil outside of Abilene on South Street, where the couple was last seen. Ideally, we would have you know, liked to have an answer by this time. Uh, however, you know, we don't. And it's left a, an emotional void th throughout our whole family. Over the next three years, the search continues with no solid leads. Then, the FBI agent, who had begun to lose hope that anything new would surface, gets a surprising call. My buddy over in, in, in Philadelphia Police Department uh, called me up, said, hey, Vito, we might have a lucky break. The Philadelphia PD has just stumbled across something that could finally thaw the cold missing person case of Danielle Imbo and Richard Patrone. During the course of an unrelated investigation, the department's marine dive unit discovered a vehicle that matches the description of Richard's. They found a black pickup truck, you know, deep in the water, right around in an area that we were interested in. So, of course, we got real excited. Familiar with Rosselli's case, the unit is among the many dive teams that has searched the cold, murky waters of the Delaware River for signs of the couple or the truck over the years. We've engaged them on a number of occasions because we haven't been able to rule out a freak accident that they're sitting in the bottom of the river, you know, driving off the bridge. They've always come up empty in the past, but this time, the unit is hopeful a team is immediately deployed to recover the vehicle. There was a lot of media interest on, on the event because there was a lot of speculation, oh, we finally found the truck. Knowing local news would be covering the story, Vito alerts the families about the discovery. I got a call from Vito that they were going to pull a truck out of the river, the Dodge Dakota truck, and that's the truck he had. Richard's mother, Marge, sends a friend to the scene to be her eyes and ears. I was hoping they weren't in it. I was just praying my son wasn't in that truck when they pulled it out. And Danielle, of course. It takes nearly four hours for the truck to reach the surface. He called me immediately. He said it looks like his truck, but it's not his license plate. But they're going to match the VIN numbers because they could change license plates. I waited another maybe hour or so. Uh, for them to do that. Emotions are mixed when the vehicle identification number reveals the truth. It was not his truck. They matched VIN numbers and it wasn't Richard's truck. I, I guess I was relieved in a way, you know. But of course, you know, I just wanted it to be over in another way. It wound up being part of an insurance scheme. There were a bunch of stolen cars in this one part of the Delaware River. So it was kind of a deflating moment for us, but another blow that really stunk. 
In 2015, 10 years after Richard and Danielle vanished, over 50 investigators have spent countless hours chasing down more than 300 leads. But the case remains stubbornly unsolved. I mean, these two people were well-liked and two very grounded families with good support. Nobody was letting this thing die. So for the 10-year uh, anniversary, uh, based on some information that had come in, we kind of put the band back together. We got all the departments that have an interest in this, and uh, we got some fresh blood in to take a look at the whole case from a different set of eyes. The FBI Cold Case Task Force joins the team. They've splashed new billboards across the East Coast to engage the public's help in finally unraveling this prolonged mystery. They also make a significant announcement. Though they cannot disclose the reasons why, they're now convinced Danielle and Richard's disappearance was a murder for hire, carried out by professionals. A 3,000-pound truck and two individuals do not simply disappear without a trace. It was the first time I heard murder for hire, that 10-year mark. I was optimistic, you know, hey, Mom, this is it. Danielle's brother, John, is hopeful that this renewed interest means the mystery surrounding his sister's disappearance is finally coming to an end. But his optimism is short-lived, as no arrests are made, and detectives seem no closer to the answers both families desperately crave. Probably the hardest part of this whole thing is picking up the phone and, and calling over to, you know, John or Felice or, or Rich or Marge just to talk to them because they want to hear a solution. So, you know, one day, hopefully. Special Agent Rosselli is confounded that there's still no concrete evidence, no DNA, not a trace of Danielle or Richard or his truck. It's unusual because for two people in a truck to disappear, it's not that easy to make happen. And with all the amount of uh, time and effort and uh, publicity that this case has got and reward that's being offered, $50,000 sitting out there waiting for somebody to take it. It's not Saljan. And for the families, 12 years later, the pain is still fresh. Every day without him, not knowing what happened to him, is hard. I miss him every day. As a mother, you can't imagine what this is like, not knowing what happened to him. I dream of him. <laughs> Special Agent Rosselli continues to stay in close contact with both families. A lot has changed over time. Danielle's son, Joe Jr., is a teenager now. He lives with his father in North Carolina. He is my sister. He's clumsy, just like her. He's brilliant, just like her. He enjoys music. He's a great kid, in spite of all this. He visits his mother's family twice a year. Richard's daughter, Angela, is in her 20s. She's married and has a child of her own. Her son is six years old. Following in her father's footsteps, she now runs the family bakery. I know that he would be happy to, to see me here working every day and helping my grandparents out. Feels a little bit more emptier in there, but I'm here to try and help as much as I can and take over what he did, so it's bittersweet. 
Forever bound by misfortune, the Patrones and Otobres still don't speak. I think it's tragic. It's a tragic story. Nobody understands that you wake up every morning with that empty feeling in your stomach, and that you wake up every day feeling that something's wrong. Every day. They understand. But their main goal is finding their son, and my main goal is finding my sister. This case is important to me personally. It's the one where I literally think about it every day. What began as a missing persons case is most likely now a murder investigation. And Agent Rosselli is determined he will catch who is responsible. They could think that they got away with it, but, you know, it ain't going away. And I'm hopeful and I'm still pretty confident that eventually we're gonna, we're gonna put it together. It's 12 years later and we're still very much engaged in trying to resolve uh, what happened. If you have any information about Danielle Imbo, Richard Patrone, or their disappearance, please contact the Philadelphia Citizens Crime Commission at 215-546-TIPS. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.